Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture readings for today come from the New Revised Standard Version Bible. Our first reading is from Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 40. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of, of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. And his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself as at Azotus. And as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Our next reading is from the first letter of John, chapter 4, verses 4 through 21, or verses 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. 
The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Our last reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We continue in our Easter series, Faith Resurrected. And today's message is Abide in Me. Each message in this series using a phrase from the Gospel reading. And Abide in Me is found in this week's message from John. In it, we're going to be looking at what it means to abide in Christ and have Christ abide in us. To live within us as we live within him. We get the opening for this in our gospel reading. Jesus is talking about being the true vine. That he is the vine and we are the branches. And that if we are going to bear fruit, we are going to be able to do good, to do God's work. We must abide in Christ. So Christ can abide in us. A theme that we have had through this series is that we live in Christ and Christ lives in us. That we're guided by the Holy Spirit that he leads us so that we can do good. If Christ is with us, then God is with us, then God is glorified. That if we abide in Christ, we become his disciples and we do his will. John's first letter expands on this, talking about how we love. And John expands this very much into the idea of how much we're supposed to love. That if Christ is in us, then we are going to love completely. That if God lives in us, then that love will be perfected within us. And if that love is perfected in us, then we will be able to love all. Simple, right? Not always so much. One of the interesting things that John does put forward, though, is that we can't hate our brothers and our sisters if we claim to love God. Because to have God's love is to love our brothers and sisters as God loves them. That to love means to care. Those who claim to love God must demonstrate love for others. That love casts out fear because we have no fear of punishment if we abide in Christ. Now, one might ask, where does our reading from Acts come into this? It seems to come out of left field with the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And I'll grant you that at first, the connection may not seem clear. 
but I was thinking about this story. And thinking about that meeting made me think about the way that Philip was demonstrating love and the way that Christ was opened up to the Ethiopian eunuch. And it's fitting that the eunuch is reading Isaiah, not just for the passage that's quoted, but because Isaiah is also a place that would have given the eunuch hope. Now, the reason for this is that according to the laws of Moses, a eunuch couldn't be part of the group. They were cut off from the congregation because of their condition, that because of their castration, they wouldn't be allowed in the highest places, that they were defective, that they could not be part of Israel, part of the congregation. Now, there's many reasons for this, but the overall feel is that a eunuch would not be welcome under the old laws. But Isaiah makes the argument that if somebody is going to follow God, that shouldn't matter. That if somebody is going to turn to God, then why should they be turned away because of something physically different about them? And what we see with Philip coming and instructing the Ethiopian eunuch is an act of love because he stops and he helps to explain the scripture, tells him about Christ, spreads the good news to somebody that otherwise might have been looked down upon. Even with his high status, the eunuch wouldn't belong. This caught my attention because Philip is demonstrating the kind of love that our other readings are talking about. Because the idea of that love is to love all, to welcome all. That all who want to follow Christ are welcome to join in him and be part of him so that Christ can live in them. In essence, Philip is rejecting this idea that this person isn't good enough and that this person should be excluded. Philip takes that to about as extreme as it could get for what Philip is doing in his travels. Because the eunuch asks if there is anything stopping him from being baptized. Could he be welcomed in? And the answer is yes. For me, that raised a really interesting point. Someone who had once been excluded by the law is now welcomed in because of God's love. Because Christ's sacrifice wasn't for some, but for all. And if it was for all, then none of those doors can be closed. Does it fly in the face of the law that was handed down? Yeah. There's no way around it. It goes completely against what's written. But it also hears the words of the prophets. The prophets who asked, why are we trying to keep people away from God? Who are we to keep people from God? And Philip shows the kind of love that's discussed in John's letter and in John's gospel. The Ethiopian eunuch is wanting to live a life in Christ, to become a disciple, to be baptized in Christ's name. He wants to be part of the flock. He's heard the good news. Philip spoke of how Christ died on the cross and he rose from the dead to conquer sin and death and to give life everlasting. And Philip is not asking questions about if there's anything physically wrong 
that's going to keep the Ethiopian eunuch from being able to follow Christ. He just wants to know, are you inviting Christ in? On first glance, this might not seem like that big of a thing. Well, of course he's seeking to be part of the group. Why wouldn't he be allowed in if he believes? But then again, there's always those lines drawn in the sand. One could turn to Leviticus and Deuteronomy and declare that eunuchs are not allowed. It's pretty straightforward and pretty clear. They're defective. They're not good enough. Now we can have all sorts of discussions and arguments about the way that plays out and the role of eunuchs in the Bible, which is a much longer in-depth discussion than we have time for here today. If you want to have that, contact me. I would be happy to discuss it with you. The thing is, for today, the idea that came to the forefront for me was that Christ wasn't looking for people already perfect, already doing everything they were supposed to do. So often the good news was preached to those who felt they had nothing left, that they had already been turned away and there was no good news for them. There's a reason that in Christ's ministry we constantly see him being chided for the people that he keeps company with, that he's chided for being with tax collectors and prostitutes. He is seen with all sorts of undesirables. And yet he shows them love. We see time and again his love for people. Because what Christ teaches us is to look past our own judgments, which means looking past our own fears. Because truly it is fear. Fear that causes us to be exclusive. If love is the encompassing, inclusive act that draws people to Christ, exclusiveness is the thing that pushes them away from God's love. We cannot ask people to change their hearts and their lives without loving them. We cannot ask people to follow Christ without first loving them. No, we cannot say, change and God will love you. Because the message that we get is God loves you, so change your hearts. God's love comes first. But if we are going to say that, our hearts must be willing to change. Who are the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the eunuchs that you see in your life? Who are the people that you have viewed as unworthy of following Christ? I don't ask that question lightly because I know that's a difficult question to ask. The reason it's difficult is because the answer almost always, always puts us in the wrong. Because if there are people that we find that are not deserving of God's love, then we must ask ourselves if we are worthy. Christ does not say to us, become worthy and then live in me. But Christ says, live in me and I will make you worthy. Join with me and be born again. Overcome the temptations of the flesh to live with me and enter my kingdom. Not one, 
built on keeping people out, but one on inviting people in. Not one based on who is the greatest, but one based on who is deserving of love. That's the message that I take away from Christ's words. That if we are going to live in him, if we are going to abide in him, when he calls us and says, abide in me, he is saying, live with me and love as I love so that you can love everyone. So that you don't live in fear of others. So that you can love others. So that you can help others. Love others so that you can further the kingdom of God. Don't think about what's going to keep you from loving them. Think about why you should love them. And how you should love them. And love others as you love God. Because God does surely love them. Become the person who can walk into the room and say, peace be with you. And peace is found because you offer the peace of Christ genuinely in your heart. We pray for others because of our love. We help others. Because of our love. The love that we have from God. That we share in one body redeemed by one blood so that we can be of one people. God's people. Not thinking about who to keep out, but always, always thinking of how we can welcome others into a life in Christ. So that we may all share in the joy of our risen Savior. So that we may all Join together in the peace and the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.